0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. NBA Western Conference Finals underway, just a couple minutes into the first quarter. It's 2-2 between Denver and the LA Lakers. The Nuggets led by Jamal Murray. Like me, Jamal Murray born in Kitchener, Ontario. That's about all we have in common. I would say he, I would say he's at least a slightly better athlete. <laughs> just a bit. Though he doesn't, he doesn't own a, a wrestling organization based in Sylvan Lake, so I guess I got him there. And does he have the amount of knowledge on Def Leppard that you have? Uh, he probably doesn't. I, I, I would say pr- probably not. So we are different in 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 many many ways. The Blue Jays leading Philadelphia five two. That's in the bottom of the fourth. That's the second half of a doubleheader. Phillies in the uh, first game won 7 nothing. Well, back to the NBA for a second. Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks wins the Most Valuable Player Award for... The second straight year, uh, note from the National Football League, San Francisco 49ers tight end George Kittle, one of the top players in the game. He will uh, miss their game on Sunday with a sprained knee. I, I guess really that's only news to me because I have him on both my fantasy teams. Maybe many of you don't care. Well, there's got to be some four. We used to have a 49ers fan that texted in all the time. Haven't heard from him uh, in a while. Alex Petrangelo, apparently the St. Louis Blues have told him to go to free agency. So I think that's going to be a hot topic in the hockey world in the weeks to come. 530 tomorrow, we have game one between the Stars and the Lightning right here on 630 Ched. Gary Bettman and Bill Daly will speak tomorrow afternoon at around two. So I'll go on that call and I'll uh, file something for 630ched.com, globalnews.ca. All right, golf today. Well, uh, the U.S. Open's supposed to be tough. And it is Uh, Patrick Reed has the lead. He's four under Bryson DeChambeau is three under only four other players are under par after two rounds. Uh, Tiger Woods had a tough day, missed the cut. Uh, Canadian Corey Connors missed the cut. Canadian Mackenzie Hughes missed the cut. Uh, I mean, Gary Woodland, who won the tournament last year, missed the cut. Uh, so it was tough and to discuss that and some other golf storylines we welcome back to the show our buddy from the ranch murray mccourt who's the gm and an executive golf pro there hey murray how's it going man you're doing well how about you Well, I'll tell you what, Murray, I I was watching the U.S. Open uh, off and on today. I mean, it's cool uh, because there's golf on all day. So I saw a couple hours this morning, had to do a couple things after lunch, but then was watching a little bit more this afternoon. And I saw a lot of shots going into the bunker, a lot of shots going into the rough, a lot of shots coming up short of the green. I almost felt like someone had filmed one of my rounds and was... uh, (laughs) Well what what, what, uh, what what was it like for you watching today? What made the difference, do you think?
1: Well, I think maybe the biggest difference is the wind came up. That, that's one thing. And I also think uh, they weren't very happy with how well everybody played on day one. So they double cut and rolled the greens a couple of times over the course of the night. And uh, the wind helped firm it up. And the scores uh, with the wind and uh, firmer conditions uh, certainly went up as well.
0: The the rough too has been interesting for me to watch on television. You see a ball going to the rough, and you can't always tell exactly. But uh, I was watching today, and I think Patrick Reed had a shot from the rough, and you couldn't even see his shoes.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, there's some videos that came out uh, before the event. Like one person uh, dropped a tall can of alcohol into the into the rough, and it disappeared. Like you couldn't even see it. So. That uh, maybe gives some listeners a better perspective, too, of how deep that uh, that rough is and the type of club head speed that you need to do to move the ball uh, forward out of that rough. It
0: uh, so, wouldn't so be easy. A high-end pro, would they sooner play out of a greenside bunker or out of the greenside rough?
1: A bunker for sure. It's not That's not not even a question. That's like like asking if he'd rather have a 3-foot putt or a 20-foot putt. <laughs>
0: See, which is interesting, because a lot of guys like me are terrified of the sand, right? But they, they'd right. sooner just have a nice lie in the bunker and pop it out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, bunker play is far, far easier than rough of that magnitude.
0: So, let me ask you this: when, uh, and you know, I'll ask this for the for the everyday golfer because there's a lot of those listening too. If I hit my drive and I'm into the rough, and it's clearly not U.S. Open rough, but it's it's going to be rough, and maybe my ball is sitting down a little bit, should you just maybe tr- still try to hit a regular shot with your normal swing, or should an average golfer be be call for, uh, conscious of making an adjustment when he's playing, say, an iron, mid iron, out of the rough?
1: yeah I would uh, you know if if the lie isn't uh, sitting up for you pretty good in the rough it's definitely a better idea to take an iron than a, than a wood the uh, irons are designed to to cut through the rough a little bit better or even a hybrid is is better than a than say a three wood or a five wood but uh, still if you hit into the deep rough it's just better to take your lumps and uh, choose like a seven iron and uh, hit it out of the rough down the fairway as far as you can get and just make sure that you're on the short stuff for your next shot and you know some guys I saw today it was rough to rough and and uh, you know just uh, couldn't get themselves out of trouble on on certain holes
0: you mentioned the club head speed out of the rough and and so say you're greenside rough and yeah and again you're you're an everyday guy maybe you get to golf once a week should you try to pop it out of that should you maybe try to uh you know, chip it with a club that's a little flatter, maybe a seven or an eight, and get it out that way. What do you advise?
1: Well, you need to hit to hit a sandwich and try to flop it out of it. You hit it like a bunker shot almost even when you're in that uh, that deep rough. If you hit a seven iron out of that deep rough and you, and you you caught the ball it's just going to go shooting miles across the green, and you're in the rough on the other side and you're just going to be playing some army golf going back and forth, uh, which wouldn't be a whole lot
0: of fun either. All right. Well, I just learned something. <laughs> yeah, but,
1: if, uh, if you're in that shorter grass, you know, when hitting a bump and run with a seven iron, that's that's absolutely a, a great idea. But if you're in that longer grass and uh, like that, you hit those shots like a bunker shot.
0: Yeah. Okay. Murray McCart joining us uh, from the ranch, GM there, executive golf pro. Now, now Patrick Reed, is uh on the top of the leaderboard he has won a masters he's one of those figures in golf that uh you know that that book uh, came out slaying the tiger a few years ago where some issues he had at university were written about and kind of a, a riff that he had with his parents that his parents say they don't really know where that came from He's, he's an interesting figure because he's, whether it's fair or not, I don't know about you think, but he's, like I said, he's kind of uh, been given the black hat here in the golf world to, to wear like the villain.
1: Yeah, he sure has, uh, you know, so far through two rounds, this hasn't been the uh, the best U.S. Open when you have uh, the, the two guys that maybe are wearing that black hat and Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau at the top and Tiger Woods not making the cut, that's, uh, that's not good for uh, the interest of the fans for sure, but uh, you know, I, you know, I've i read a lot about Patrick Reed and, uh, you know, some of, some of the issues that uh, he's had both on and off the golf course are, you know, not things that are very popular uh, with, with fellow golfers or with, with fans. And I don't think there's very many people that are cheering for him to, to carry this lead through the next two rounds.
0: Well, I can tell you my mom is one of them. <laughs> she, she, she read that chapter about him and she's like, I'm never cheering for this guy again. Uh, yeah. All right, so the is up there. Uh, you know, Justin Thomas, obviously, is a great player. Had a 73 today. Uh, I've always liked Matsuyama. He's there at uh, even par. Bubba is is, uh, is one over. You know, John Rahm is one over. There's still a lot of big names there. Is there anybody that you think that, okay, going into the weekend, the course suits them a little bit, or they seem on the verge of maybe breaking through?
1: Yeah, I like Xander Shopley. He's at even, uh-huh. so not too far off the mark, and uh, you know, I think he's maybe a name I'm going to keep my eye on as somebody that I think might uh, might be there at the end. Whether or not he he hoists the trophy or not, time will tell. But uh, but I think he's got a pretty good shot where he sits uh, at even par right now through two rounds.
0: Okay, hey, uh, tell us a little bit about the ranch. You guys have had a great season there. We uh, are obviously though getting into the time of year where there's uh less daylight it's not always as warm as it was today tell us a little bit about autumn golf at the ranch well
1: you know the course is still fabulous uh we haven't lost a whole lot of leaves yet off of of trees uh we haven't had a frost delay yet at all which is uh absolutely phenomenal for this time of year and if you look at the forecast it's not uh, uh not projected through the rest of this month at least so uh, you know, still pretty rock-solid conditions. The greens are unbelievable. Uh, so it's a great time to get out and play and and uh, enjoy yourself. And, and But it's still tough to get a tee time, uh, not just at the ranch, but at all golf courses. Uh, you know, lots of new people taking up the game, and uh, this year with not much else to do, and and it's a very safe uh, sport to get out there and, and be social distanced and get some physical activity uh, happening for yourself. So... Uh, you know, get out and play some golf. It's it's tough to get a T10. time. Try to plan it uh, more than last minute and get two, three, four days in advance and book yourself a tee time and get out and enjoy this great sport.
0: Well, that's a that's a great course. I love playing. There is a nice variety of holes, you know, nice variety of tee boxes, uh, you know, depending on your handicap and how long a hitter you are. So uh, I appreciate that because I don't hit the ball very far. And yeah, the greens were well. The whole course was in incredible shape, which uh, which I was really pleased to see. Any 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 promotions you might have here going on?
1: Well, starting on October fifth, our low season rates kick back in. We always start the year on some low season rates. We end the year on low season rates where. We're you know, the expectations are that the golf course isn't going to be perfect like it is uh, in mid-season, although it is right now, and we're a golf course that doesn't aerate our greens until after we actually close. So you're not going to need to worry about that here. But leaves are going to, are going to start to fall off the trees and, and, and you know, some issues like that uh, prop up. So we go to our low season rates on October 5th, and uh, we close on October 18th. So the last couple of weeks... Uh, great opportunity to, to save some additional dollars off of our uh, regular piece for sure.
0: All right. And uh, online, how can people book and get all the info about the course?
1: Yeah. You can uh, visit our website, www.theranchgolf.com. Uh, you book tee times through there and prepay. So you don't have those extra touch point uh, at the club here to, to pay. And as we're trying to keep people as safe as possible, as uh, COVID is still a factor and everything that we do,
0: all right well randy or randy i just got a text from someone named randy murray thanks for checking in tonight uh we do appreciate it i know you're busy uh things are great out at the ranch so hopefully people can get in and play here uh over the next month and thanks for your insight on the u.s open i'm gonna go uh put a few hundred dollars on xander sound good
1: all right (laughs) all right i'll take a commission off of that yeah there you go thanks for checking in buddy all right, have a good day.
0: That is Murray McCourt from uh the ranch check it in tonight. Yeah, they've had an awesome season out there. Courses in uh, just superb shape and yeah, if you watched any of the US Open today, you uh, like I said, you saw a lot of missed shots and frustrated players, but the the wind was up and And like Murray said, the USGA, if they see the scores a little too low in the first round, they are going to make it tough for the second round. So the greens were quick, and then the wind helped out too. So something to keep an eye on over the weekend. The uh, basketball, it is Denver down 15-17 to the Lakers with five minutes left in the first quarter. We'll keep you updated on that one. Denver scores to tie it at 17. 780-496-0063 is how you can text. Cowtown Bob checking in. Oh, he has a prediction. He says, I'm pretty sure Stanley will be going back to Texas. Tampa did not look great against the Islanders. I was very impressed to see the Stars rally against Vegas. I think the additions of Pavelski and Perry were the keys for Dallas. They are champions. And Dewey from Lloyd says, Reed, have you ever thought about working all night during harvest? LOL. You just made my night. Thanks a lot. Well, Dewey, I appreciate that. Uh, I might have to work all night to make up all the show hours I've missed over the last couple of weeks <laughs> with the, with the Stanley Cup Conference Finals uh, on six thirty, Chet. And we're going to keep going with the uh, uh, with the uh, with the playoffs. We'll bring you the Stanley Cup Final game starting uh, tomorrow. The, the reason I accidentally said the name Randy there and that was foolish of me talking to Murray, but somebody texted earlier about why couldn't the, the baseball team have been called the Trappers? So Brian said, can you tell me why Edmonton does not use the Trappers name anymore for its baseball teams? It's one of the best minor league teams in history. I, and I couldn't remember if the the EEs still own the rights to that name. Remember they owned the Trappers back in the day. Uh, so I checked with Randy Gregg with the Riverhawks and he said the trademark for that name was filed in 2016 Not by us. So somebody has a trademark for the trapper. So it wouldn't have even been possible for the Riverhawks to use that name. So a little clarity there. 719, back after the break. tuning in tonight with Scott Salmon on the show earlier, Senior Vice President of National Teams with uh, Hockey Canada. The World Junior Tournament will be in the Edmonton bubble this holiday season schedule is not out yet they're still working on that but salmon did say a possibility that they start the games on christmas day rather than on boxing day and then still finish by january 5th all the games would be at rogers place they would not use the downtown community rink and then next year so the uh, christmas and new year's season in 2021 going into 2022 the tournament in edmonton and red deer as was planned this year with fans uh, by that time they certainly hope and the that tournament that would have been in uh, Sweden will be pushed forward a couple of years so they'll still get the host so that's uh, some things to keep an eye on for the world juniors Scott said if, if you have bought tickets to this year's world juniors You can just hold on to them and use them next year. Or if you want, you can get a refund. You can look at the Hockey Canada website on how to do that. But uh, as Scott said, only 11 people have requested refunds. If you have World Junior tickets in Canada, you usually hang on to them. So it looks like uh, a lot of people are going to hang on to them and simply go next year in either Edmonton or Red Deer. That is good to know. Don't forget the 50-50, the the REMAX Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation 50-50 returns for the Stanley Cup Final on game days. EdmontonOilers.com slash fifty fifty is how you buy the tickets starting at 9 a.m. and you can buy tickets until 8 p.m. It would be an understatement to call the 50-50 extremely popular when they did it earlier in the postseason. Dallas against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay coach John Cooper on Facing the Stars.
2: If you look at the teams we've played in Columbus and Boston and... Um, Uh,
1: the Islanders, what do they all have in common? Like where statistically are they in the league?
2: Top five defensive teams in the league and Dallas is right in the mix with them. So, um, we're playing the, the the defensive juggernauts of, uh, of this league. And so it's just going to be another challenge. Goals will be at a premium and, and we just, uh, um, we got to find a way to, to get more than them. And, and it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be a challenge because from the goalie on out, uh, they're an extremely um, strong defensive team.
0: All right, a little bit there from John Cooper, head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning. 5.30 tomorrow here on 6.30, Chad, We have game one. Blue Jays doubleheader against the Phillies. It is now 5-5 in the top of the fifth. Jays scored five at the top of the fourth. Phillies came back with three in the bottom of the inning. Seven inning games when there are doubleheaders. Phillies won the first game seven nothing. Blue Jays twenty six and twenty four on the season, hanging in there in a playoff spot. Of course, expanded postseason this year in Major League Baseball. Talk a little more baseball. Uh, this guy's going to be fun. He recently joined the team at the five two Fieldhouse. That's Mike Johnson's spot. Todd Betts played pro all over North America. Played in uh, Asia. He was actually. Uh, I believe he was at Edmonton Cracker Cat for a while. We'll have to get into that. He's coming up next on Inside Sports. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Hope your Friday night is going well. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and EE Radio 630 Ched, Tomorrow at 530, we have Game 1 between the Stars and the Lightning. Gary Bettman and Bill Daly will hold a Zoom media conference at 2 in the afternoon, so I'll be in on that. You can follow my uh, Twitter account and, uh, of course, 630 chedcom globalnews.ca. Sam G texts in. He says, read just like you said. Why change your prediction? I'm saying the same and sticking with Tampa Bay. I picked them to win when the playoffs started, and I think they will win. Cheers. That is from Sam G. I am rarely right with my predictions. Uh, So when I am, I have to incessantly crow about it. (laughs) Okay, well, maybe not quite. But I did pick Dallas before the season started when we did picks on Bob's show in early October. And so I stuck with them before these playoffs. Now, of course I picked them. One of the reasons I picked them was because of Ben Bishop, who hasn't been playing for most of the playoffs and they did have a coaching change along the way. So it usually doesn't even turn out the the same way you you might've thought it would, but I am going to stick with Dallas because why, why change? (coughs) Sorry. Why, why change? You know, and then be like, "Oh, well, I actually picked Tampa Bay when really I was picking Dallas." So that's what I'm doing. Sam G is picking with Tampa Bay. They are uh, they are a great team and probably the favorite going in for sure. Leon Dreisaitl up for the heart, up for the Ted Lindsay. We will find out Monday afternoon between 4:30 and five if he wins one or both of those awards. And then we have the other hockey game, Game Two, Monday at six. Mentioned the Blue Jays. Well, they're back in front, 6-5 over the Phillies. Top of the fifth and a doubleheader. Phillies took the first one, 7-0. U.S. Open, Reed 4-under. DeChambeau, 3-under. English, Thomas Cabrera-Bello, 2-under. Woods missed the cut. Tough conditions today at Wingfoot. 780-496-0063 is how you call or text. And I want to go to baseball here. And uh, I'm really happy to welcome this guy, not just to Inside Sports, but to Edmonton because he is now an instructor at 5-2 Fieldhouse. We've talked to Mike Johnson, Edmontonian, former big league pitcher who uh, has opened up the Fieldhouse and has been doing a great job there. And he has welcomed Todd Betts to the staff there. Todd, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good. Excellent. Thanks for having me here. Todd, uh, you have had uh, an amazing career. I, I, I have a feeling this will not be your only appearance on the show because we're not going to cover everything. Uh, but just to let people get to know you tonight, you know you were drafted in '93. You played a, you played in a ton of different places. But take us back to a young, young Todd Betts growing up in the in the mid to late '70s. Like, was baseball your first love, your first sport, or, or tell me about your journey in Ontario? oh wow god i'm going way back
2: here <laughs> uh actually uh i grew up in uh, scarborough ontario canada so i uh actually I had, I had love with the hockey so i did kind of both uh hockey and baseball and uh i guess when i was probably about 15 i kind of made my move over to baseball i, I you know i figured you know i was in high school i kind of like no i want to go this way so i had i had to figure i had one sport to do the problem was i uh I had no really to train, and uh, it's not like I'm. I wish I was 18 now. I tell you the truth, with all the uh, facilities around here open, and, and instructors, and then learning from them, I wish I had that back in the day. So, um, man, it's been uh, going back quite a bit here. So, I just real quick, I was I was drafted in '93 uh, with the Cleveland Indians um, out of college. I uh, had a uh, first uh, ride a full ride over at uh, the junior college in Oklahoma which is uh, northeastern Oklahoma. And I was probably one of the only Canadians out of there to get a full ride. And uh, so I uh, took my uh, my way down to Oklahoma really the first time in the States on uh, being away from home when I was 18, 19, 19 years old. So from then I got drafted to the Indians. I only played one year there. And uh, like I said, I had a long career career. Uh, with the Indians for seven years, and then uh, moved on to the uh, Florida Marlins, uh, New York Yankees, Boston, uh, Seattle Mariners, and then uh, moved over to uh, over in Asia and played about three, three, four years over there.
0: I just want to go back because I, I've been lucky enough to talk to some other Canadian ball players, and certainly Mike's been on the show several times. And it, it, even in not that you're some old guy, but even in the time when you were a, a teen. There, there must be tremendously more opportunities for Canadian ballplayers now. More role models to look up to, more opportunities to be scouted, and all those types of things.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, uh, when I, I came up in Toronto, there was only myself and uh, uh, familiar with the the Rob Butler and Rich Butler. So really, only yeah. really a handful of guys, and uh, we actually trained together. We kind of learned from ourselves, and uh, that's all we had. Uh, unfortunately for me, they were uh, you know they were a Blue Jays product, so they had, you know, the the Rogers Center, the train had, where they could use it, right? And we uh, and myself, I had to go out and hit in the cold. So I just had to throw balls up to myself and I said I had no real place to train. So, uh, like I said, uh, my role model growing up was, uh, again, was my, uh, I love this guy, Don Mattingly, and I, as a kid, I used to go down to the exhibition and watch the Blue Jays play, and, uh, and uh, you know, just seeing him growing up and actually meeting my idol uh, when I was with the Yankees back in uh, in 2004. So, um, yeah, it was kind of pretty cool. But uh, like I said, a long journey. And uh, like I said, I don't know where the last 20 years have been. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I spread my wings and now I'm uh, out here at Edmonton, And like I said, teaching the program over here with Mike. And uh, everything's great. I'm just kind of just getting settled in. here since I've been here for two weeks now.
0: How hard was it to judge how good you actually were when I assume you weren't playing in a like a traveling team league or whatever you would call it when you were a kid?
2: Well, you know what? It was tough because, like I said, there's so many opportunities for young kids now. So many, and uh, like I said, I uh, like I grew up in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada, and I, uh, I happened to you know played well. And when I was 15 years old, I got an opportunity to make the provincial team. And now, when they did the selection, like I, I've been a part of baseball Canada for over 25 years, so when they did back then, they uh, they basically selected. Players out of the province. So when I played the Canadian Championships, and that's they picked 20 guys off each province, and you know, I, I, I got lucky, and I, I played. You know, when I played really well, and then uh, moved on, and that's really what the stepping stone of, uh, with Team Canada put them on the map. Because I recall when we played in Kind, we were in Brandon, Manitoba, Brandon, Manitoba, in 1991. As a young kid myself, at 18 years old, before I went to college, I. Uh, had an opportunity to, uh, you know, to take home the world. Actually, it was the eighteen, eighteen and under, and we were the only team ever to win a world, uh, world cup, or world championship for oh, baseball really? Canada ever. So, and oh, we we're wow. actually our team was actually put in the Canadian uh, Baseball Hall of Fame in Saint Mary's for that. So, to this day, it's still we were the only team. So that was kind of pretty
0: cool that's awesome Todd Betts joining us tonight on uh, inside sports former pro baseball player now uh, an instructor at the five tool field that was here in Edmonton so like look I, I'm on you know baseball reference has all your stats all your info you're playing triple-a for the better part of a decade and yeah. you mentioned you know with the Indians with the Marlins Seattle Boston the like you're playing triple-a how I, I like I, I'm not Mocking you here or anything, but like, how come that call up never came? Because you must have been pretty close on several. I'm looking like you bat, you hit 321 year. I mean, you hit 280, you hit 291. How come they never called you up? Uh,
2: <laughs>
0: I still wonder that now.
2: No, I, uh, you know what? I just never had that opportunity, and then, uh, like I said, uh, I spent a lot of my time over in Buffalo, and At the time, it was the Cleveland Indians affiliate, and uh, you know what? I made my through in Edmonton here also. I uh, was with the Seattle Mariners, the Tacoma Rainiers, which was a really good year I had there. And uh, a lot of those years that I played, I was you know team MVP, and a couple of them was uh, the league MVP. And I just had that, never had that opportunity. And for some reason, I don't to this day I don't know why and on that note i'm actually uh along the way i've been you know recently writing the journal and uh and then hopefully here in a couple of years i'm going to have a, a book coming out which uh which is going to be called all bets are off which is a pretty pretty cool name i think and uh but a lot of my personal uh you know my you know, you know different struggles i had to go through and on and off the field and then uh it's going to be in the book would be uh you know, pretty cool to put on paper and, uh, but you know what, you I, I, I can't answer that question because, uh, I really did, uh, you know, uh, I need, but uh, never got that opportunity and it just never happened. And I just, uh, yeah, I, I just do what I do now and, uh, you know, share that information with the kids now. And, and like I said, I wish I had that when I was 18 to, to learn from someone like that. So I, I give back to the communities and, and talk in schools, and I kind of mentor a lot of kids, not only in the uh, city of Toronto. I, you know, I, I, like I said, I spread my wings here, and I, I came out to Edmonton with Mike and uh, the opportunity to come out here and, and teach uh, teach on the West Coast here.
0: Tell me about the decision to go play in Asia, and what was it like being a ball player over there? I actually loved it.
2: I uh, I wish I had a lot of my career over there. Um, I uh, now it's very limited and very tough to get over there. So you do need uh, someone to fight for you. And uh, you know what? I never had that opportunity, like I said, to play in the major league baseball. But I got an opportunity over there, and uh, you know, with open arms, they welcomed me in there, and I, I, I produced over there. And uh, I just loved it. And uh, you know, recently, I in 2017, I. It was put on with one of the t- teams in Taiwan, with the WBC team, and uh, the team that I actually, my former team that I played there with. Uh, uh, they they brought me in as a hitting coach over there, and you don't really see that often going back over there. And uh, it was a it was a different time for me because normally I have that you know that you know player, that player that feisty you know walk on the field, but it was kind of a different uh, feeling as coming as a coach, but. Uh, like i said it was it was a great opportunity to do that there and uh you know now i just like i said i give back to the community and this is what i this is what i was born to do now is coach coach kids and you know send them in the right direction
0: the the baseball where you were um sorry was it japan and taiwan you were you were in correct yeah yeah is it is it the number one sport in those nations or how would you describe uh Uh, your baseball baseball players uh, the royalty Actually, uh, believe it or not, basketball
2: is, is yeah. pretty big. It's, it's kind of like uh, you, know, you have your baseball and basketball, soccer a little bit, but uh, believe it or not, basketball is absolutely huge. As you saw, the NBA players, you know, they go over quite a bit over to China and and they give back to the NBA players. But in uh, Korea, is the same way. But the you know, the love for baseball over there is absolutely huge. And as you see, a lot of the players now coming over, you know, like you know Ichiro Suzuki put. You know Japan on the map, and then for Asian players, which he was my teammate in Seattle. So uh, no, just you know you have the opportunity to go over there because you don't really see many you know foreign guys go over there because you're only allowed, I, I believe, on the roster now you're only allowed three guys uh-huh. per team. So it's 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 very limited over there. So like I said, I got an opportunity to go over there, and uh, and that and to me that was my big leagues to tell you the truth, and uh, yeah, so could i've you know produced up there at the big league level absolutely i just uh unfortunately you know sometimes you gotta get lucky and i never did
0: yeah todd betts joining us tonight uh, on inside sports and uh, tell me about your stint as a, an edmonton cracker cat i know a lot of people still laugh at the name but uh edmonton Cracker <laughs> what cats. was oh yeah what was that oh, season yeah. like well actually you know when i uh that
2: was funny because i came back from uh, over in asia and i i had a really big injury over there and uh I was in the local hospital and I, uh, I blew out my back and I was my L4 disc. So I, God, I kind of rehabbed it myself. And, uh, like I said, near the end of the season, there in Edmonton Tracker cat. And here I was back over at Edmonton. I kind of, I wanted to get some live at bats and live play to kind of see how my back felt for, you know, maybe a season for that next year, or a couple of years to kind of prolong my career to see if it was there. So, um, it was tough for me it was it was it a was really bad injury for me and uh like i said i was getting a little bit older um but yeah you know being back in edmonton and here we go you know three three times a charm i guess i'm back over here in edmonton and under a different kind of you know different kind of uh you know coaching uh but you know what i i enjoy it you know i like like i said i've been here for, for two weeks now and uh i'm looking forward to uh, you know putting some of these players on the map now on the west coast here and uh the uh, the five tool facility here.
0: What's the uh, what's the story here? You met you met George Bush or had some kind of interaction with George Bush? What, what oh, happened? Yeah, oh yeah, you heard that, eh? No, uh, yeah, someone tipped me so off. <laughs> so,
2: uh, <laughs> Kenny Bunkport uh, is where George Bush Senior was from, and uh, real quickly, I uh, I was uh, I was over here. I got sent down. Actually, I was in Triple A Calgary, which was the uh, Florida Marlins uh, affiliate. So here I am driving across the coast all the way to Portland, Maine, which is with their double affiliate. And uh, when I got there, it was so funny. One of the, uh, the first couple of days I was in the clubhouse, here uh, comes George Bush Sr. walking into the clubhouse. And I'm like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me, right? You know, just get in here and this is who, who's the guy that I meet? And I guess he was good friends with the um, the owner of the team. So... George Bush Senior comes over to me and says, "Hey, listen. So, you know, you're, I was the only Canadian at the time on the team. You, oh, you know, George, oh, I love Canadians. I love them all." So he brings me over to his house. So, uh, so here I am sitting. Not only uh, a couple of days that I get there, I'm sitting here with Barbara Bush and, and George Bush Senior, having lobster dinner with, with some of the players on the team, and I thought that was actually pretty cool. So I'm here. I am with this big circus, kind of red right of a movie, big circus tent. All these security around. I'm like, what's, what's going on here? Yeah, so, anyways, I had a great time, and I remember specifically that I had 15 lobsters that they pulled out of the bay that day, and uh, that was that for <laughs> <and> that. So, <laughs>
0: well, great dinner. Cool. Yeah. That is an unexpected experience. hey Before I let you go, I, we'll have to talk again, and maybe when we can do these sorts of things, we'll bring you into studio uh, some night. Uh, Blue Jays now up seven five. Uh, they're hanging around. I mean, two games over 500. I mean, the season's almost over. So then the playoffs are expanded. They've been kind of fun to watch though, eh? Given well, not the last couple of days. I
2: think they've given. Well, a fair lot-
0: enough. Yeah. <laughs> <bro. laughs>
2: yeah, that's true. Uh, well, they, they got to figure it out quick because like I say, shortened season now, um, it's, it's all on deck right now it's uh they gotta they gotta produce the next couple of weeks or though they won't make a playoff run here so um they gotta figure it out quick Unfortunately, only, like i said they only have two weeks and uh they're they pitchers they gotta figure it out so i don't know i'd like to it's not like my raptors but uh after ever since they uh they knocked out the playoffs i'm kind of uh more focusing now on what I'm doing here in Edmonton but uh like i said knock on one hopefully they' make it it'd be fun to watch in the playoffs.
0: Well, all the best at the Five field Fieldhouse. That'll be really cool for for the the, the players to have you as a, an instructor and, and all your experience. And I can tell you got a great outlook on life and baseball as well. So, Todd, thanks for checking in. We will definitely uh, do this again, and look forward to meeting you in person sometime soon, man. Have a great Absolutely. weekend. Absolutely, thank you yourself too. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Rick. Right on. That is uh, that is Todd Betts checking in tonight. A uh, as he was telling me a, a a long and uh, and varied. Pro baseball career never quite got the call up to the bigs, but did get to play in Japan and Taiwan at the highest level, and uh, now doing some instructing with Mike Johnson and the crew at Five Tool Fieldhouse. Uh, played for the Canadian national team as well. He mentioned he was a member of the only Canadian baseball team ever to win a World Championship, which is uh, pretty cool. Awesome to catch up with him. It's seven fifty one. Game one of the NBA West Final. Lakers leading Denver. 52:39 still 7 minutes left in the first half. We will pause for a moment inside sports on chat. The pursuit, the potential pursuit of defenseman Alex Petrangelo will be a big story in the hockey world. Reports tonight that the St. Louis Blues have said, doesn't look like we're going to be able to work anything out, so you can become a free agent on October 9th. Uh, 7.7 per season, apparently uh, the offer to Petrangelo, and I'm sure more details about the negotiations will be coming out over the next few days. Blair texts in, he says, read, sorry, couldn't text earlier. But if you are considering working all night, I have a combine with your name on it. Think about it. You could be Reed in a combine. Uh, Here's the thing. To Blair and everybody else, I I don't think you understand how bad I am at pretty much everything else. And, And I'm sure many of you think I'm bad at hosting a radio show. Well, you haven't seen me do other stuff. So if you wanted me to drive your combine, uh, you, you probably need a new combine by the morning. <laughs> Though I appreciate it, Blair. Maybe I could just come out and sit with you, Blair, and just pretend I'm hosting a show while you're driving it. I don't know. or I, I don't know. But I like we should do that sometime. Just see how long I could do inside sports. Have an inside sports-a-thon. I mean, we would just start at 6 p.m. on a Friday. And we will just see how long I could go. They'd have to book guests and stuff and maybe we could take calls, but I think it'd be kind of fun. Maybe we'll do that someday. One of my, our many ideas. Uh, Carry text again says, uh, hey, Reed, if I was a player, I would not want to be in a bubble for a whole season in the NHL. How are they going to pull it off without throwing the, or sorry, how are they going to throw it off without having to rearrange several seasons? Well, I don't think they want to do a bubble. I, I think the season's going to start in January at the earliest. They, they want fans in the NHL. I, I think they'll probably wind up doing maybe a 60-game season, go to the end of April, do the playoffs in uh, May and June, push back the draft and free agency a little bit, and then try to have everything reset for the fall of 2021. I know the NHL has said in the past they want an 82-game schedule. I don't know if it's going to be realistic for them to get it and then still be back on track for the fall of 2021, basically a year from now. But we might get more details on that tomorrow afternoon. Bettman and Daly are holding a Zoom conference call in the afternoon. So keep an eye on my uh, Twitter account and 630 chedcom for that story. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of the show, Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name's Reed. Have a great weekend. Just keep moving on. Friday!